It's obvious when we read this account of Jesus's last meal with his disciples that the story of Israel's exodus from Egypt was very much on everyone's mind. Jesus and the disciples are, after all, gathered here for a Passover meal. And so there's a natural sense of foreboding, of nervous excitement in the air. There's a sense of the moment of this evening that something big, one way or another, tomorrow is going to happen. But I think it's fair to say that the entire Gospel of John, if we've been paying attention to the clues that the Gospel has left for us, has been preparing us all for this moment, this Thursday evening. In part, it's been preparing us by drenching the Gospel with references to the book of Exodus, references to the Exodus itself, God, uh, God's people coming out of the darkness and into the light of God's presence, coming out, of course, being a reference to the Exodus. References to Israel's journey in the wilderness. Jesus, remember, refers to himself as the bread from heaven, just like the manna that was scattered across the ground every morning. Jesus saying that he will be lifted up, just like the image of the serpent was lifted up and all those Israelites who had been bitten by venomous snakes were healed. Jesus refers to himself as living water, just as Moses drew water from the rock. Jesus refers to himself as a teacher, as a giver of the law who has special communion with the Father, just like Moses had special communion with the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You remember the references in Exodus 32 to Moses ascending Mount Sinai to commune specially with the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He goes up to receive the law. He goes to a place where no one could follow. That should remind you of references that we heard to the reading from John 14. There are references throughout John's gospel to Israel gathering around the presence of God at Mount Sinai and then gathering around the presence of God in the tabernacle. Remember, Jesus says, the word became flesh and pitched a tent among us. And for all those who responded to the invitation of the Son of God, they would be called the children of God. Remember all those times in the Old Testament where we hear God say, out of Egypt, I called my child. So very much of John's gospel to this point has been about God's presence in the body of Jesus of Nazareth coming down and dwelling among God's people. Just like when Israel had gathered around Mount Sinai, God's presence comes down and settles on top of the mountain and then comes down from the top of the mountain and settles on the tabernacle. So much of the central chapters of the book of Exodus then, if before you get to chapters 32 to 34 of Exodus, so much is about God coming down to be with God's people there on the mountain, so much of those central chapters are all about Moses going up to meet with God, to receive instruction, to receive from God a blueprint for the way of life that God's people should follow to mark themselves out as being different people in the world, unlike any other people in the world. And it's important that from this point onwards, in John's gospel, Jesus is talking about going up. So remember, before we get to chapters 13 to 14, so much of John's gospel has been about the presence of God coming down in the body of Jesus of Nazareth. 
And then from chapters 13 and 14 onwards, Jesus speak constantly of being lifted up, of being glorified. Now this going up though, that Jesus talks about, isn't all good news. It's a bit ominous. It's even a bit of a paradox because the real going up that Jesus will undergo is being hoisted. It's being elevated. It's being lifted up on a cross. But then, of course, beyond that, there is Jesus' being lifted up in the eyes of all the world. And beyond that, too, there is a going up, a returning to the Father. Jesus is going up. He's going away to a place where the disciples can't follow, not yet, at least. The disciples mightn't know where Jesus is going. And that, again, has a lot of different meanings. They don't yet understand that Jesus will go up, that Jesus will be crucified. They can't yet follow Jesus to the heart of God's presence, my father's mansion that has many rooms that Jesus refers to. But Jesus tells them they mightn't know where Jesus is going. They mightn't be able to follow where he's going, but they do know the way. But it's a different kind of way because Jesus says, this isn't just the way to the place where I'm going. The way that you know is also the destination. They don't need to know where Jesus is going. They don't even know, need to know where they are going. They only need to follow because Jesus says, in following, you've already reached the destination. Listen to what Jesus says. You know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas replies, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him. You have seen them. Don't worry about the destination, Jesus says. Just follow close. Stay close to me. Remember now how many times in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus says, stay close to me, stay close to me, stay awake with me. Not following close enough, Jesus says, worrying too much about the destination, just like Israel worrying too much about the promised land, how to get there, how to defeat their enemies there. Just as Israel looks too much beyond the wilderness and so fails to stay close enough to the presence of God that leads them, Jesus says, don't worry about too much where you are going. Don't take your eyes off what is right in front of you, the presence of God leading the way. If you think too much about the destination, if you think too much about what's next, if you think too much about where you are going, you'll miss the trail. You'll fail to be close enough. This, Jesus says, failing to be close enough to walk near, this is a betrayal. Now we all know we all know Peter's impetuousness. We all know his enthusiastic declaration that wherever Jesus leads, he will follow. Wherever Jesus goes, he will go with him anywhere. We all know, of course, Peter's betrayal. He's thinking too much about where Jesus is going and not enough about simply following where Jesus leads. But I think there's another betrayal. This chapter these chapters of John's gospel are full of betrayals, not following close enough, thinking too much about the destination, not simply following the presence of God where it leads. These are all betrayals. 
But there's another betrayal, I think, that John's gospel has in mind. Remember Moses. He goes up to the top of the mountain to commune with the presence of God. He goes to a place where none can follow him. Remember that Moses in chapter 34 is of Exodus is going up to receive a blueprint for the kind of life that will mark out God's people as God's people. A way of life that begins with these words. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. This, of course, is the central message of the Passover. God's people are to have no idols that stand for God because the life of the people of Israel itself will be God's idol. This will be the image that the world will be able to see to know what God is like. God is giving Moses a blueprint so that the people of God can be the image of God in the world. And so Moses goes up, goes up to a place, remember, where none can follow. The people waiting for Moses become restless. They become discontent. They wonder when they will be able to leave this mountain. What's taking Moses so long? What's taking God so long? And so they construct an idol and they declare that this idol is the God that led them out of Egypt. In other words, in Moses's absence, they become just like any other nation, worshiping a God of gold or silver, a God that's a bit more like a genie, a God that gives them their desires, a God that is not the God uh, that is the maker of heaven and earth. This is their betrayal. When Moses goes up the mountain, they betray the character of God who called them into the wilderness. They lose track of the presence of God who tells them, just follow Listen again to the words that Jesus leaves his disciples with before going up, before his steady ascent to the cross, where his disciples cannot or will not go. My children, I will be with you only a little longer. Where I am going, you cannot come. That sounds like Moses addressing the nation of Israel. But a new commandment I give to you again. This is sounding a lot like Moses addressing the nation of Israel. I'm going up. You can't follow me, but I'm going to give you a commandment so that you know how you are supposed to live, what you're supposed to look like, so that the world can see what God is like. A new commandment I give you. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. This is the betrayal, I think, that Jesus warns us about. To neglect or to ignore or to renounce that form of life that makes visible the nature and character of God. By living together, but living together idolatrously, just like any other people. John would return to this exact idea in his first letter. God is love, John writes. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother or sister. This, I think, is our constant temptation. To worry too much about the destination to worry too much about the goal, 
about the resolution, about how everything's going to work out, rather than pay attention, enough attention, to the task that is right here in front of us. Closely following Jesus in everyday life, attentively loving those that are right in front of us, closely following Jesus, loving those that are near us as God loves us. We're living right now, we all know it, in a time of radical uncertainty. We don't know how this pandemic will resolve. We don't know what life will look like when it does resolve. We don't know our destination. We don't know where God is leading us. That doesn't matter though. Don't worry that you don't know the destination. You know the way there. And all you have to do is to follow closely. We, we know what it means to follow closely. It means to love. In loving those that have been given to our care, we're not just contenting ourselves along the way. In loving those that God has given us to love, we have everything. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. Amen.